no more Mori. It'll uh, it'll cure your ills. Greetings, boys and ghouls. It's time for Freaky Friday. And here are your hosts, Jake and Jesse. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> What's going on, amigo? Oh, dude, what's happening with you? I'm fucking all sorts of crazy shit. Well, it's just another week in our crazy lives, isn't it? Oh, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. It seems about par for the course. It's one of those funny things, isn't it? Like, I, I've kind of given up on the whole thing of asking people, how, how, how are you fucking doing? You know, because, you know, you know, in Australia, we kind of say it as just a, just a way of just saying like a greeting. Yeah, yeah. Some people take it at that literal next level. And just go on a fucking tangent. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you just sort of feel like going, you know, I don't actually care. I was just kind of taking the piss. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, that, that emotional vampire from fucking What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, God. You know, that it's, guy. Funny, it's funny, man. I was, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like just talking about some people that, you know, we knew. And it's just like. It's these fuckers are just like emotional vampires. It's like having a. It's it's what I imagine having a conversation with Morrissey would be like. Oh, where dude. it's just, you know, it's just like they they they, they, they sort of like ask how you're doing and yeah. they'll talk about your shit for like two minutes as a segue. Yeah, exactly. Like a forty minute fucking moan about. Every yep. fucking, and you you kind of listen to it, and you just sort of like a lot of these fuckers, man. You just like, yeah, I'm sorry. Please don't bore me with your not problems. I know, right? It's kind of like you just sort of sitting there, going, <sighs> you, you know, you you hear this shit, and you're just sort of thinking, like, ah, uh, you know, I think I see a way out of this. Yeah, I re- yeah, <laughs> I, I'm the same, dude. Like, it just. It just baffles me. It reminds me of my favorite ever line from Justified. Like, and I don't know whether you've watched Justified, but it's fucking brilliant. Everyone should watch it. All right, I'll put it on my to do list. Uh, It's it's Timothy Oliphant, and it's just, it's fucking, it's Timothy Oliphant. He's a a rad dude. It's an adaption of like an Elmore Leonard short story that's stretched out. So it's just fucking gold all over. But there's a great line where he says, um, He's, he's like, you know, this U.S. Marshal. And he says, well, you know what they say. You run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's gold. And you I... just kind of feel like that with some of these fuckers. Yeah, dude. It's just like, every, you've got a problem with fucking everyone. Mm-hmm. Everything's just fucking misery. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh. Yep, you know, I, like, I, yeah. yeah, I get it. Like I've I've been through some shitty times in my life as well, but fuck, I hope I wasn't like that. Yeah, it's it's it's. And if I like was, that. I just want to go back in time and give myself an uppercut. Yeah, I, I I just feel that way sometimes. Like I I just feel like almost almost every conversation I ever have, like I think yeah, I think I get like yeah uh, yeah exactly what you just described a minute. Two minutes of being generous, 
And then after that, it's over to the fucking tirade. And I go, kill me. Just kill me. But, um, hey, speaking of cool TV shows, dude, you say Justified. I say the fucking, and this is, you know, we're not getting paid for this endorsement either, by the way, boys and girls. Um, fucking, so we fucking should be. We should be, yeah. Uh, Twisted Metal. Yeah, you said right. that was pretty rad. I mean, I I'm I'm keen to see it, but I'm probably going to wait until the full season drops because um oh, bro, I, the I remember whole playing the game. Oh, it's, the full season, done. yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet. Well, fucking, I'm I'm on that shit like Donkey Kong then. <laughs> but you played the game. Oh yeah, I man. I, I remember playing the game, like the PlayStation game back in the day, because um, mm. it was one of those. It was one of those really fun games like um, Worms and that, where you could, right. just, like, you could just like get together with a bunch of friends because it was multiplayer and oh, just have a few awesome. drinks and, mm-hmm. you know, just sit around fucking shit up and hanging crap on each other for a few hours. So it was essentially a sort of early version of Call of Duty minus the guns. Yeah, pretty much. But it was it was like, you know, you drive around in these cars and launch rockets at each other and shit like that. And all Dude, that's fucking rad. Right. It was really fun, man. I, I remember playing it because, I mean, I never had a PlayStation, but my friends did. So, mm. you know, every every Friday night or whatever, we'd go around, have a couple of drinks before we headed out on the town and you yeah. know, play a few games and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it was rad, man. Fucking good oh. topic. Well, man, the TV show is fucking exceptional. Anthony Mackie as the main character is fucking gold, dude. He, um, wow. I didn't realize he was, I, I knew he was a good actor, but in this, um, there's a lot of Will Smith going on in, in his, um, delivery. And it's fucking amazing, dude. It's oh, really cool. I've seen him in a couple of things outside of the Marvel stuff. And he's always been really solid. Dude, he's rock solid in this. And you know who else is fucking phenomenal is uh, Samoa Joe has the fucking, the clown character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so legendary fucking wrestler Samoa Joe plays the clown. Uh, but the voice is done by, oh, fuck my ass. Uh, no, nah, I haven't got it. Another actor does his voice. It's a famous actor. That guy. And That guy. You know that dude from that show? Oh, and the dude from that show, from The Thing that... The thing with oh, the show and the dude and the, the other place. dude. Yep, yeah, right. yeah, that one. Yeah, see. Anyway, um, fuck, dude, um, it's been nice having a little little time out for a second, wasn't it? Yeah, I had, I had a little siesta. I mean, like, you know, it was it was good. Like, I, I you know, I had, had some stuff going on. Fucking. <laughs> it's, well, like... it, it, it's funny this year, this year, man. It's like it's like one financial punch to the nuts after another. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. So, welcome yeah, to the now. And <laughs> it's like, okay, yep, cool. Car sorted. Car sorted. Car sorted. Car sorted. Oh, dentist bill. Yeah, <laughs> not for me, but it's just like, oh my. Fucking God, like seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um and and by the way, fucking on the air, I'm just gonna say fucking happy birthday for the other week, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right. Boy, did you get spoiled or what? I got very spoiled. Uh um, lucky I, little devil. I got very, very spoiled. Uh it and was a lot of love for Jakey. 
Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of people, you know, popped up out of the woodwork to say happy birthday and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've got a couple of really, really nice surprises from people reaching out, which was really, really cool and um, very, very chuffed with that. And, uh, yeah, then B and Re just spoiled me fucking wrong. <laughs> Can't complain about that, man. Here's, here's, here's a typo negative box set and the Transformers soundtrack on CD and some fucking NECA fucking movie Ninja Turtles and full series of Centurions and <laughs> young Indiana Jones. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm set for uh, – I'm set for – for TV watching while I'm working, yeah, next yeah. Few months, so. Fucking sorted. Oh, that's not cool, that, man. not that I watch TV while I work, just in case my boss is listening to this. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that is my not. least that's favorite bad. thing to do. Um, that's bad. Before and during my breaks. Yeah, yeah, no. God. I don't, I don't think he actually gives a shit as long as I'm getting the work done. <laughs> as long as you're productive, Jake, it's yeah. all okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude. I understand um, your question. <laughs> Have you tried working it? And um, yeah, man, fucking not not much going on in the in the. Well, there's plenty going on in the comic universe, reading wise, but I just off the top of my head can't think of anything. Dramatically cool that I've read besides I, Gene Simmons' Dominatrix. I oh, is that good, dude? I liked it. Yeah, first cool. issue, man. It's um, it's nothing from a plot point. It's nothing groundbreaking. Just think like this. You know, our man from the Justice Society. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Our man in a fucking fetish outfit, but a chick. I was going to say because I don't really want to imagine our man in a fetish outfit. No, no, no. It's not a good good visual but dude's basically like a, a dominatrix funny enough the title character um <laughs> that comes across by accident a fucking bag full of vials of pills and um she's about to get fucking shot to death and she goes fuck it if i'm gonna go out i might as well fucking get high and next thing you know she's got super strength and can fucking smash the fuck through anything cool yeah so yeah good I, on you Jane. Um, i i finished vanish not insane thoughts, dude. Fuck, that was good. That was a fun ride. That it one was such a great little series. Like, mm, I really enjoyed it. I I think it just it rocks. Like, I really dug it. Um, and it's it's sort of I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe because it's like, oh, is it sort of like a twisted take on Harry Potter? Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's there's a, there's a lot of I can see a lot of influences in there, but man, that yeah. was a great story, and I really hope they do a uh, follow up to it. Yeah, so do I. I feel like um, the the winning the winning formula of that is just that the basic of um, great artwork, like phenomenal oh, artwork. The, the art was gorgeous. Yeah, like that just got me. Like I. I mean, you could just you could just buy it alone for the cover, and just sit there and just fucking just ooze over the cover because the cover art is fucking oh man, yes, mind blowing. Segments covers, which is there's some of the there's some of the best covers. My pick for the year, man. Like they they I love them totally. Yeah, but um, the story itself, like superheroes, you know, superheroes posing as fucking um, you know, well, magic users posing as superheroes. (laughs) That's kind of cool. 
Um, and and I don't know. Yeah, like you like you said, man. There's a few influences in there. It's a bit of a melting pot of ideas, but it fucking works, man. Well, yeah, I mean, you can see sort of bits of Harry Potter in there, bits yeah. of the boys, bits yep. of you know a few other different things. But and and that's just... what's cool about it. It just blends together so well into mm. its own sort of original thing. And it's just, yeah, it was just such a great little book, man. And I, I love that it's like only like eight issues. Yeah. I love that it's just like a nice little, okay, here's our like, it's almost like a, a I really liked, um, back when the ultimates were a thing, the fact yeah. that they would do like 12 issues or mm-hmm. whatever, and then that'd be it. And then you'd get a, a little gap and then they'd do another 12 and it'd be almost like a season of a TV series. Yeah. Um, and Which I, really I think like, is really cool. I, yeah. I love that shit. And I love that Vanish kind of did the same thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. What else did I read? Uh, oh yeah. More night terrors, um, which has been pretty cool. Uh, I've got to say, I'm kind yeah. of loving it. I read, uh, I got issue two of the Black Adam Night Terrors. I'm not yeah. too invested in the overall story, but I, I like like buying all the issues, I mean. But yeah. I like I like the story that's cool, but Black Adam's involvement in it is pretty neat as well. Yeah, well, I just read the Nightwing one, um, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, did Tom Taylor write that one? Uh, no, no, I, I think he was oh, had to break on that one. So taking a siesta. But uh, yeah, the Robins, the Robin one was cool. Um, Green Lantern was great. It's probably one of my favorite. Superman one was really good, actually. Yeah, I saw the one with Cyborg Superman in it, and I was like, it's, I was almost gonna get it. It's really good. <laughs> it's it's of got two stories. Like it's got two stories in it. Like the first, the first one is uh, I think it's a Power Girl story, and it's you know it's okay. Yeah, because um, I think they're trying to put a influ- uh, put a bit of emphasis on Power Girl making a return mm, to regular reading, so it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, um, but uh, the the Cyborg Superman one was really good and Dude. really really horror based. Like yeah. it was very cool. Anything with fucking Cyborg Superman is good, man. You know, you're in for a good time because he's just such a likable bad guy character. Um, yeah, yeah. I've just yeah. really, I've loved him ever since he turned heel uh, and revealed himself in Reign of the Superman. I just went, oh, that is Chef's Kiss. Which, funkily enough, 30th anniversary this year. Yeah, 30 years of Reign of Superman. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> hey, Lord. Um, Dude, I'm, I'm kind of excited to read it. I was going to pre order it and I thought, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to roll the dice and grab a copy off the shelf when I see it. Fuck that overpriced fucking stock cover shit. Well, I think I reread um, the whole Death and Return, like Rain and Superman thing, probably about six months ago. And man, such a good time, dude. It was such a good story. Like, yeah. I, because um, I mean, I, I was reading it when it came out, um, mm. you know, when I could eventually get a copy of Superman 75 because every <laughs> asshole in the world decided to buy it and you think that they could buy a fucking. I will purchase multiple. (laughs) You can hear the comic nerds now. I will purchase multiple copies and encase it in hope plastic so it is in mint condition. In in in. Yeah, continue. Yeah, uh, we'll 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 get to the hard plastic thing in a minute. Oh, I can't wait. We need to discuss that thing that I sent you. Yes, we do. (laughs) 
fuck is that about? Motherfuckers. Like, yeah, man, I, um, I, yeah, I just, I think it's just a really great, fun story. Like, it's just, it's one of those, just, It is, isn't it? And And it's really exciting to read at the time, too, because you had no idea where it was going to go. Well, it was great because it was an, it was just like, like a cool manga where the battle just goes on and on and on and you go, oh my God, this guy is unstoppable, Mm. you know? And um, it was kind of cool, like, the way they handled it with Doomsday. I thought that was really well done. I love the mystery about it. Um, yeah, and and just seeing Superman in a kind of, I don't know, in a very life-threatening situation, which we hadn't really, up until that point, seen too much of besides anything involving Kryptonite. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind and of you cool. Did, you didn't really know... Um what was going to happen. Like, you didn't know if they were going to kill off Superboy. You didn't no. know if they were going to kill off Steel. Like, I mean, you know, the Eradicator bit the dust pretty oh, wow. <laughs> that was That was brutal. I, You know, I had that issue of Green Lantern where fucking, um, uh, fucking, I think it was Mongol. Yeah, yeah, Mongol levels Coast City. That was brutal. And that tied into the, the uh, episode where fucking Cyborg, backstabs Eradicator and just obliterates him. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler spoiler alert for the 30-year-old comic. Yeah, not my fault you little fuckers haven't read it yet. (laughs) But, um, oh, dude, such a good read, eh? So good. I fucking love it. It was was rad. But, yeah. uh... Yeah, uh, the other, the other, what, 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 oh, this year's X Men Hellfire Gala. Oh, do tell. Ah, is good. Like, well, you know, I mean, this is probably more of a, a rad conversation, but it is pretty freaky and uh, fairly fucking horrific in spots. Dude, um, Emma Frost, man, she's freaky hot. Well, dude, it's like. So I've I've been a bit um I mean as you know as as you know long time listeners in Kazakhstan will know <laughs> I've been a bit sort of iffy on like recent X-Men stuff because it's sort of been a bit hit and miss here and there like it doesn't this, you know, are, we, are we saying the same sort of emotional uh level as recent issues of Spider-Man? No, not that not that bad. Like I mean Okay. Okay. Nowhere near that bad. I do have a question <laughs> to ask you in a minute about Spider-Man as well. Continue. Very well. Um, but, yeah, like, so, I mean, you know, they, they did the whole um, big revamp sort of thing with House of X and Powers of X, and those were absolutely spectacular. Mm. And it just sort of feels like things haven't really lived up to that potential for the last couple of years until now. Like, this year's, like, Hellfire Gala one-shot, for X-Men, like, just pays off, like, the last two, three years' worth of stories in a huge way. <laughs> like, like there are lots of dead mutants and lots oh. of, like, completely badass mo- Like, Are we talking one- dead? Are we talking dead as in, like, dead, staying dead, or dead as in typical... Marvel death. Well, we'll I mean, you know, they've, got the whole, they've got the whole resurrection protocol thing with X Men at the moment. Right. So there is a get out of jail free card there if they can work it. But for the moment, there are a lot of dead mutants. Like, cool. Um, <laughs> and a lot, you know, there's there's like a handful of X Men left on Earth, basically. And nice. There is like, like there, there are like 
two pages in there where it's just like Iceman has the most fucking badass moment where he takes on Nimrod. Yeah. And just like really fucks his shit up a bit. Um, <laughs> and then you just get the most badass Wolverine page where it's just like Wolverine just walks through one of the, the teleportation gates and something happens to Jean Grey, which I'm not going to say because spoilers and it only came out a couple of weeks ago. She gets but- a boob job. Wolverine, <laughs> like he needs one. Like, what is it? Smoking hot redheads on the X Men. I don't know, dude. Probably explains my uh, my love for it. <laughs> but like, Wolverine gets a psychic message from her, and he's like surrounded by all these like um, fucking mutant hating fucking assassins, like like the elite best of the best. Cool. And, like, yeah, he just gets this psychic message. You just see the claws pop. And then it's just like, you know, just a little caption of Wolverine was surrounded by like 30 of Orcs' most highly trained assassins. They didn't stand a chance. (laughs) (laughs) He fucking goes to town on it. It's fucking rad, man. That's cool. And it's just one of those, like, just one of those one pages where it just like makes you feel like a kid again, where it's just like, it just reminds you why you fall in love with Wolverine as a character. And I love those reminders every now and then, you know, like, because sometimes stories tend to just drift off into days of our lives territory and you kind of go, oh, come on, guys, what happened to the fucking action? And then you get something like that and you go, ah, all is well in the world again. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, you get that with Ghost Rider, dude. It's just nonstop. There's no Days of Our Lives bullshit in there. It's just fucking hellfire, death, destruction, fucking A. I love it. Oh, yeah, man. Like, Ghost Rider's been rad. And I'm really digging this um, this current run, the Danny Ketch one as well. Oh, it's great. I, I, I like that they're Rider. exploring that a bit. Mm. Mm. It's really fun, dude. It's, um, yeah, dude, it's, um, it's definitely up there. Um, and, and the same with Moon Knight as well. Moon Knight's building towards something big as well. Yeah, 25 was good. I haven't read it yet, and I can't wait. The co- yeah, I bought one of the good. really cool covers, so, mm. yeah, I'm I'm deeply excited for it. So, but, yay! Um, I caught up, on, caught up on a few horror movies over my birthday because I had well, days off work. Before we get to that one, because I'm, I'm sure that will segue us towards what we're going to talk about this week, this week's mm. movie. But I had a quick question for you. I did yeah. see a little teaser ad for Spider-Man for the comics. And it looks like he's holding, it, it's a very dark looking Spider-Man, not like oh, Todd yeah, McFarlane yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah, but it looks like he's holding Mary Jane. That So apparently, um, okay, so if you've got kids in the room, send them out because this mm. is going to get like. Because they're, 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 they're fucking hinting that Spider-Man's getting dark. And I'm like, well, so that's going to be a sequel, apparently, to this alternate reality story that was done in the early 2000s, I think, called Spider-Man Rain. I remember that, but I never read it. So it's set in Spider-Man's future. I only read a couple of issues. Uh, I never finished it, and it's, it's been something that's been on my to-read list at some point. But yeah. Uh, the basic concept of it is that, because, <laughs> I mean, you got to cast your mind back. Marvel in the early 2000s was doing some very, sort of trying to do some very edgy things, like with the Ultimates and stuff like that. Yeah. Some of it was really hit. Some of it was really yeah, missed. They, they had some wins. They had some losses. Yeah. Uh, 
doing a story where Mary Jane dies of radiation poison from Spidey busting a nut in her all those years that they were married is a bit of a miss. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's the basic conceit of Rain is like Spidey's on his own and he's all fucking dark and edgy and depressed because he basically killed Mary Jane by shooting his load in her the years that they were married. And because he's got radioactive blood, that obviously yeah. he's got radioactive jizz. But you have to give him Which points to... Words that I never thought I'd say out there. Yeah. Like. You have to give him points for trying to give us a a bit more of a realistic sort of angle of this thing like you know like what you know like looking at spider-man and his relationship with mary jane the same way as you'd always wonder superman shooting his load in lois lane fuck what would happen there she'd fucking you know get incinerated from the inside or something <laughs> uh the hulk you know fucking I, I don't know the list goes on and you got to think about some realistic angles of what would happen in the real world if that happened you know so I yeah, well, like I've, I've always wondered why Cyclops keeps dating chicks that can read his mind. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's just like, dude, what are you nuts? Are you just a glutton for punishment? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so this rain thing is a bit of a sequel, you reckon? Well, that's apparently what they're sort of touting it as from the little bit of information that's out there. So, guess we'll see. Um, and more yeah. importantly, is that the sort of thing that is going to leak over into the current universe? I don't think so. I think it's a bit of a what if thing. It's like because um, that... they're doing a lot of what if stuff. That yeah, what if well, dark series. They did that um, Spider's Shadow one, which mm. was basically like what if. Spidey merged with Venom and I wish I'd read that. I've got it. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Like, it it was actually pretty cool. But what if of, like, they've released a new series of what if, but it's more, but they're calling it what if dark. Yeah. So there's like, um, I ordered a copy of uh, what if Moon Knight where, you know, he dies and there's a new avatar of what was What was your take on What If? Because I always liked it, but I always wished... My my gripe with What If was... And this was something that they fixed with Spider's Shadow, was Mm. I always kind of wished that they'd gone on for more than one issue. Yeah, look, I I love the idea of What If. Some some issues were a bit... But, like, there were some really good ideas there, you know, especially, like... I don't know there's a lot of fucking Nostradamus shit going on with, um, you know, um, stuff that happened that they wrote in the seventies that would resurface in modern day, i.e., mm. Thor um, with Jane Foster picking yeah. up the hammer, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but then there was, you know, um, fucking there were moments with. I think they they tried touching touching base with the Venom thing with, uh, you know, what if um, Spidey didn't, you know didn't get control and fucking mm. gave in to the alien, you know? Um, there were storylines like that that were quite interesting. So, yeah. It was yeah. really cool. I mean, I remember my very first What If comic was number seven, which was, and dude, I mean, as a kid, holy fuck, it was just amazing. Mm. Uh, it was What If Wolverine Had Become an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and oh, Rob, Liefeld, yeah. Rob Liefeld drew it. And it was the yeah. first, I think it was like the first Liefeld thing I'd ever seen and I think he had like Terry Austin inking him or something and dude I gotta say like I mean I know Liefeld is a really controversial figure he's 
said and done some really fucking boneheaded things over his career. Mm. But his comic art in the late 80s and early 90s was oh, really fucking good, man. Right. Like, he was, not, he, I mean, he's kind of like, I feel like he's not. It was on the, on the level with McFarlane, dude. Yeah. And Jim I, Lake. I, I sort of feel like he's not putting in the effort lately that he used to. But like those early ones, especially that what if issue. Um, mm. Dude, it was amazing. It was like. I mean, for me as a kid, like, I always loved Art Adams. I thought Art Adams was just the fucking man. Like, yeah. Um, especially after reading Longshot, I was just like, this guy can do no wrong. And every couple of years, he'd draw an X Men annual and it would just be amazeballs. And for me, like, that Liefeld issue of What If was like a step, just a step down the rung from Art Adams. Like, I studied that thing as a kid and was like, you know, how do I draw like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I just always wish they'd gone on a little bit longer yeah I, yeah I, I do too man um yeah it's one of those weird things there was some really man. cool ones like there was like i think one, one of the other ones was like what if like uh wolverine had become lord of the vampires or something like that yes spin off I, of like the story with dracula and storm yes i, I think i had that issue yeah, there was like one with like, what if the X Men had lost Inferno and New York was just overrun by demons yes. and stuff? I had like, um, my first one. Sorry, dude. I my first one was the uh, I can't remember what the title of it was, but what if the Avengers uh, lost to Korvac? Oh um, yeah, there was an intergalactic entity mm. called Korvac who had like beyond all like powers, and it was back when Captain Marvel, the real Captain Marvel, was still alive. Um. And, yeah, it was basically all the Avengers and the superheroes being subservient to Korvac. Mm. And, and, yeah, he was trying to basically be God and it just yeah. backfired on him in the end. So it was kind of a very, again, Nostradamus angle. It was a very Infinity Gauntlet before Infinity Gauntlet kind of yeah. story, which was really cool. So, yeah, stuff like that and the Inferno stuff. Well, was, yeah, there were some really awesome. cool ones. And there was, there was stuff like, you know, what if um... – I, I remember, like, you know, what if Craven had killed Spider-Man? Like, I remember that one. That was um, sick. You know, what if uh, Professor X had gotten the powers of the Juggernaut and stuff like that? Yep. Like, there was some really cool ones. And, and my, my gripe was always, like, I always wanted to spend, like, more time in mm. that, like, little, you know, what if scenario. Like, it, like three or four issues would have been cool. Yeah. And that was a great thing about Spider's Shadow, getting back to what we're talking about, mm. was that it... I think it was like six issues. It, it was. was. It was about really five, cool. six issues. Yeah, yeah, it was really rad. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of there's a part of me that I, I know probably would never happen, but fuck, it'd be sick if DC could do something like that. Yeah, it really would. Um, yeah. Well, they kind of did. Um, they kind of did with. Uh, do you remember the? Um, oh fuck, the Dark Knight's Metal spinoff specials. Uh, I never read them, but I oh, they, of... they did a couple of them with like, you know, it was like alternate reality versions of, um, you know, certain stuff it's like, you know, uh, Superman not coming back to life after Doomsday. It was this world where that happened. Oh, okay. And, cool. uh, you know, uh, Jean-Paul Valley not giving up being Batman and like, you know, oh, that's cool. taking out Bruce Wayne and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so yeah, they did a few of them. I think they did one with like uh crisis on infinite earths and a few others here and there. Some of them were a bit hit. Some of them were a bit miss. Um, sure. it's a Titans Judas contract one. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, yeah nice. but, but I mean, the thing is, man, they were, oh, you know, 
you'd go broke getting them all because I think they were like 15, oh, yeah. 16 bucks an issue because yeah. like they were the Shit's you know, not mini, cheap. mini prestige sort of ones. Yeah. So, you know, few that's where they get you, kids. That, yeah, it was just sort of like, oh, this is uh, bad, but <laughs> yeah. Polybag tinfoil cover with yeah. collector card. Yeah. <laughs> Must have. It's $25. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They get you. Um, and just quickly, fucking, before we move on to the movie stuff, fucking um, manga, One Punch Man. Have you read that shit? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, man. It's like the coolest. It, man, it is just such an easy read and so much fun. Yeah. Like, it's not overblown with dialogue. It's just cool action. This bald-headed fucking kid just punching the shit through monsters with one punch. It is fucking cool. And I'm up to, like, volume 34. And, dude, it's just fucking, like, this, this unlikely fucking hero and... You know, half the superheroes of the universe don't know who the fuck is, you know, beating the fuck out of the monsters. And it's this, lo and behold, this little bald-headed kid that fucking is just after ramen and just fucking, you know, <laughs> he's not after any glory. He's just a dude. Speaking of freaky stuff, um, yeah. like anime-wise, man, I am hanging for Chainsaw Man. Dude, that is the bomb series, man. I fucking love that series. I'm, I'm just waiting for it. I'm just hoping because it's like, it's like I'm, I'm having issues with streaming at the moment because right. of the old Disney business where it's just like, I'm not fucking subscribing to another streaming service, but I really should get like Crunchyroll or something. But yeah, I'm like just hoping it gets a DVD or a Blue release because I am so oh, happy have faith. That. Have faith. It will. Madman will do it probably. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> Yeah, stay tuned for that because it's a. Fu- I, I can't wait to watch the anime of that because the the book itself is the manga is just so good. Man. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for the anime mm. to drop, man, because it just looks fucking great. I've seen some little trailers online and it's yeah, did so much fun, dude. So you know what else is fun is um, fucking all the cool horror movies popping up. Like uh, this week, we're seeing Flight of the is it. Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, Voyage of the Demeter, yeah. Woo-hoo! Hanging hanging for that. I watched yeah. what did I what did I watch the other week? What I did watched, you watch, Jay? Um, what did I watch? I watched The Pope's Exorcist. And it was actually pretty fucking good, man. Yeah. Like it's like, actually really pretty fucking good. It's got a banger of a soundtrack. So the movie's um, good. Is Russell Crowe good? Yeah, Russ is good in it. Like he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing the accent thing, but it's like he's he's remembered how to act because good. Yeah, I was just like, I'm like, oh, it's Russ doing an accent, and yeah, the last time I saw Russ doing an accent was Thor: Love and Thunder, and, and it was yeah. The less said about that movie, the better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, the Pope's Exorcist was really, really cool. Uh, That's I really so cool. dug it. Um, I also watched Black Demon. And uh, I watched it so no one else has to. Okay, so you took one for the team, is what you're saying? Oh, I think I took more than one for the team with that thing. Um, right. I, mean, I really wanted to like it, and it had it had such a cool concept that they just. I love one, the concept. They didn't get enough out of it, 
in terms right. of like actually having some fucking there's like one really good sequence in it where I'm just like, oh yeah, this is rad, and then it just kind of falls apart from there onwards. Oh, and no. it's just like it gets into this is just I don't know, man. There's like I'm all for character development, I'm all for character relationships, but there's way too much family drama going on in this thing. There's way too much ambiguous yet somehow really heavy-handed environmental message stuff in yeah, there. Okay. But, hey, you know, we're all for we like we, oh, yeah, we, love, yeah. we love recycling and looking after the planet because we you, have another one. Yeah, <laughs> but but when you see a title that says Black Demon, you see a monstrosic looking well, evil all, shark. I was all there for like, okay, uh it's people stuck on an oil rig and a megalodon's circling it and they can't get out. Cool. Fucking sign me up for that shit. Mm. Like, don't sign me up for, like, very limited amounts of shark action and family drama on an oil rig. Oh, fucking serious? The problem is, here's here's the big issue with it, is, like, the couple of times you do see the shark, it looks fucking rad. It's huge. It's Mm. like, you know, yay, cool. So is it on par with the Meg in terms of cool-looking shark? Oh, I honestly think the couple of shots where we do get to see the shark in this, it's better looking than the Meg. Like the scale Ooh. looks a lot better. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is that this oil rig that they're on is fucked up. So the water around it is all oily and murky. So all the underwater shit is really dark and kind of hard to make out what's going on. Um, kind of like, oh man, poor choice. But... Yeah, like, look, some some folks may watch it and really really enjoy it. For me, it was a bit of a a bit of a snoozer. I, I was not a huge fan. Oh, that's that's a shame to hear. But you know, I did, what I was a huge fan of was yes. Evil Dead Rise. Oh. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, I feel like we have to do a just like a I don't know like a proper episode. Of sorts about Evil Dead. I think we should do the whole fucking series at some point. <laughs> I think so too, man. It's uh, yeah, I'm, makes I'm, for an interesting conversation, you know. But uh, so I'm glad you liked it because I uh, loved it, dude. I thought it was rad. I just, yeah. I got to the end of it, I'm just like, because I watched it like the night of my like before my birthday. Um, so I was sort of saving. I was like, I'm gonna enjoy it, sit down and just enjoy this. Um, mm. and. I'm just like, what the fuck was the budget for blood on this fucking movie? Because again, again, it's, it was a case of, oh, we saw what you did in Evil Dead reboot. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Oh, oh my god, man, that shit was fucking crazy. Oh, dude, it, was awesome. it was great. It was good, man. I'm a fucking big fan of that. Um, hopefully, we see more of that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sequel, please. Um, yeah. And I watched Smile, which, yeah. It's the movie you want to really love that looks good on paper. The trailer looks great. And you see bits of it and you go, oh, this looks like a fun ride. And then you get to it and you go, it's not what this movie, I thought it was the thing of the what? The thing thing was I like, I don't hate it. I just felt like I'd seen it before. Yeah, look, like, it was good. It was good, but it was, it was just, good, and it's yeah. well, it's well made. Like it's not shit by any stretch of the imagination. It's mm. just 
I've kind of seen it before because I'm sort of like, I'm getting into it and I'm just like, you know, the first half I'm like, oh, so this is like basically it follows. But instead of like a, a sex demon or monster or whatever, it's a trauma monster or whatever. <laughs> like, and I'm sort of like going, oh, yeah, I feel like it follows did it a bit better and a bit more stylishly because um, mm. I really loved it follows. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the last half of it, when she teams up with the cops, spoiler alert, I'm like, oh, this is sort of like The Ring, the American version of The Ring. <laughs> like, Interesting. You Interesting. Because <laughs> um, it's like, oh, we're going to solve the mystery and try and find a way around things. And I'm just sort of like, oh, mm, yeah, guys, I, I don't know. I just feel like I've, I've sort of seen this before. Yeah. Well, man, I'm, I'm just going to quickly say fucking... I watched Talk to Me last week. Oh yeah, you said, bro. Fucking give it up for the Aussies, man. That's all I gotta say. Australia, mm. we've fucking kicked a goal. Um, this is possibly one of the best fucking horror suspense films in Australian cinema, if not in the world, uh, in recent years, man. I I absolutely loved it. I mean, look, it's not. Nothing, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's taking bits and pieces from stuff that's already been done before, but it's done really fucking well. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, there's the, the creepiness of the, you know, there's a lot of talking to the other side type stuff, and all that is done really well. The sequences are good. The character development is really fucking well explored. Um, look, for an Aussie-made film... Um, man, what what a fucking triumphant effort, man! This is this is the kind of movie that's got people like Mick Garris and um, Nick Taylor all fucking giving a big kudos. Yeah. So yeah, man, fucking props. So yeah, we always do some really good genre movies. I mean, I I remember when Gabriel came out, and I was just like, man, this should be getting way more love than it's getting. I would like to see a. I wouldn't say a reboot. I'd like to see some sort of a fresh take, a more modernized version of it into in today's cinema. I would like to see that happen with a movie like Gabriel. Yeah, well, I mean, I know Shane was planning to do like I, th- I think he planned a trilogy basically, but yeah, with with what happened with um with Andy and that, I think he just sort of mm. lost heart for it. Honestly, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So, which is you know completely understandable, but um. Yeah, man, I, I was all sorts of excited when that movie came out. I was like, why? Aren't... And I loved it. I, I love that movie. I think it, it was, was cool. Like, it, it, it was on par with that whole formula that movies like Blade and Underworld, Matrix and all that. Underworld. Yeah, yeah. Man, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, it fit in the pocket with all those movies. And that was what I found I loved about it was that it's mm. like, and as, as a filmmaker um, or, you know, a reformed filmmaker, Jake <laughs> 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 um, Reddy, yeah. reformed filmmaker. Like, you know, at the time I was like, this is amazing. These guys have done a movie on par with Underworld and all of those other movies. And they've done it on probably like the catering budget of one of those movies. And it's still great. And mm. the thing that I loved about Gabriel as well was that like, you know, you could really see like, you know, Shane in the best way. And this is not a swipe at all. Cause that dude knows I love him. Um, 
just you could see him wearing his influences on his sleeve in the yeah. best way, like just in such a way. And I, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but like you know, you could you could see the crow influence in there. You could see the Highlander influence. You could see the the prophecy and stuff. And you know, you're just like, oh, this dude's watched all the same movies as me and loves them. Mm. Awesome. You know, mm. like, no doubt we're going to be friends, and we were. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it was just really, really cool to see at the time. And I, I remember being yeah. really disappointed that more people weren't talking about that back when it came out in, like, fucking, what, 2007, eight, something yeah. like that, like a oh, million years ago. I'm sure we'll have its day again one day soon. But, uh, um, yeah. But, um, and yeah. Well, we, we, we should, because uh, this will lead into to this week's movie. Segway All time. Good. Oh, um, like segways. Segway segways time. Good. Um, so, yeah, my VHS score the other day was truly epic. Mm, do tell. Well, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Traverse, Traverse and me went out for lunch with, with the girl on, um, on Friday and, you know, we checked out a couple of op shops. I fucking walk in to mm-hmm. this fucking op shop and sitting there just on the shelf is big box X rentals, perfect condition, not a speck of mold, fucking warlock on VHS, fucking die hard, fucking awesome. Uh, D Snyder's Strangeland, Fortress. Uh, and I'm just like, holy shit. So I like, I'm cracking them open and checking the tapes because I'm like, oh, I'm sure this is going to be jam packed with mold and just be complete mm. rat shit. Mm. No, perfect condition. I'm just like, oh, dude, how much are your VHS tapes? Oh, dollar? I'm like, <laughs> you're like looking around. <laughs> yep, yep, no one's taking it. All right. How many Sold. of these can I fit in my arm at one time? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I saw, you know, there's this whole thing with like, apparently, assholes are now sealing their VHS tapes in plastic, like comics. <sighs> Yep. It's a thing. It's just... You got to ask yourself, what the fuck has this world come to? It blew my mind and that's all the blue. Yep. I mean, look, there's there's a part of me that wants to understand and appreciate the the ideology behind it all. But then there's a part of me that just goes, dude, like, what the fuck are you thinking, man? But it's like this stuff is meant to be enjoyed, not fucking carbon frozen and fucking shipped off to Jabba the Hutt. Like, right? Like, well, like here's here's an example, right? Like, I I just recently I was I was hoping to save this for Rad um, tomorrow, but I did a couple of eBay purchases last week. I got my hands on issue one. And just today, issue two of a great 70s comic, The Human Fly. Ah, yes. Man, I'll talk about it on Rad. But, dude, it was just a bait. You know, it was well well preserved inside plastic and everything, you know. Um, pl- you know, fucking plastic um, comic sleeves. And then fucking, um, you know, for transport purposes. But... Other than that, you can pull it out and read it. I pulled it out. I smelt that fucking paper. I and, did, uh, I did the same. We'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about this on on Rad tomorrow. But I did the same with like I just got like 
the first three issues of Kid Supreme from a dude for dude. like six bucks. I got issue them. one not that long ago, man. Fuck. It's, um, a, it's a rad chat, that one. It is. Uh, and yeah, same, same thing. Like they showed mm. up. They're in great condition. They're in their mm. plastic, you know, they're in the protective sleeve and that, you know, dude wrapped them well and everything. But it's like I could not wait to crack them open. I like literally got them at like yep. lunchtime and like yep. took them out of the thing. I was just like, fuck, I've got to go back to work. So it was like, oh, oh I'm saving this tonight. <laughs> I could not wait, man. And yeah, I, yep, I did the sniff test. Yep. Isn't it a wonderful feeling? Well, it's like, like, especially because it's image, it's like, you know, it was just like. Image oh, has a nice oh, smell to image, it, right? Well, it's the 90s. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like me with Marvel comics of the 70s. Oh, it's set- got to. Yeah. All Beautiful 70s smell. comics smell the same. Like. Yeah. 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 There was like a <laughs> perfect period from the 70s. And even 80s ones, like they smell, they don't yeah. quite have the 70s smell, but it's no, 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 but give it, give it a couple more years to simmer and yeah, I think it'll be on par. Yeah, but, I'll, um, I'll break out my firestorms and give them a whiff, like yeah, probably yeah. 2025 or so. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I've, I've, I've been doing that with Starman, actually, my Starman collection. <laughs> it's like, oh, 80s DC, I love yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good times. Speaking of 80s, fucking here's uh, a segue for you. Yeah. This week's movie. <laughs> yes, kids, we're going back to 1988. A magic year, as we often talk about. Um, we've probably given you more than enough fucking cool things that happened in 88. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Besides oh, but the yeah, fucking... still the bicentennial. Yeah, the bicentennial. That's about it. Uh, a bunch of other cool shit. Yeah, and and just all the cool fucking movies that came out that year, <laughs> including this little gem. Oh God, now I'm thinking about the expo. Yeah, <laughs> You've, I've got I've got fucking this towering Matilda in my head, just fucking looming over us all. <laughs> Even though that was Commonwealth Games '82, but anyway. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, man, I, I remember the expo. I remember going to the expo, and I remember. I didn't go to the expo. It sucked. It, it kind of sucked. As a kid, it kind of look. As an adult, I probably would have appreciated a lot more. Yeah. But as a kid, it just kind of sucked, and it was just really hot and overcrowded, and it was just like, eh, I thought this would be a lot cooler. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that they never think about. They're like, "Hey, let's put on this cool event and fucking." We'll get thousands upon thousands of people all crammed in like fucking cattle in a fucking cattle farm. Yeah. It's going to be sick fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And when, when you're, no when, one ever. How, was, how old was I? I was like 11 or 12 in 88. It was just like not fun at all. It was just like, yeah. oh, man, this just kind of blows. Yeah. Yeah. And just pissed but, parents left, right and center. Yeah. There's like screamers like, fuck mm. it. Eat your fucking ice cream, Jeffrey. <laughs> Meanwhile, your ice cream is just fucking just decimated all down your arms. Yeah, like exactly. It's an Australian summer, so your ice cream cone lasts like 3.1 seconds unless you eat it in that time. Otherwise, it's just a puddle like dripping yeah. down your fucking shirt. Yeah, you got to follow the five minute rule, man. You got to get in there and fucking get three quarters oh, in. Yeah, you've got to pile that shit down to the bottom yeah. of the fucking cone. Absolutely. Before, like, before, especially in Australian summer, it's just that shit just will not last. Fucking A, man. <laughs> but um, in movie, in the movie world, fucking what 1988, didn't what didn't suck was our boy, fucking Johnny Carpenter, 
fucking put on his fucking Nostradamus hat and gave us a, a fucking movie for the times. And back in high school, a friend of mine said, this movie was the greatest movie ever made. That's that's how I remember this film. My he, friend swearing black and blue. The greatest fucking movie ever made. Far off, man. Like, mm. And we well, are, of course, talking about John Carpenter's fucking amazingly still relevant. They prophetic, live. prophetic, p r o p h e t i c prophetic film blockbuster. What's it called, Jake? They live. They live. Yes, they fucking do. Man, I remember my first exposure to this movie because I mean, this did not. I, to my best of my knowledge, this did not hit the cinemas over here. Um, I no. think it was straight to VHS. And my first exposure to this was seeing the trailer for it on a VHS tape. And just, because, like, you know, it was the 80s, so it's like rock and roll wrestling was totally a fucking thing that everyone knew about. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, Roddy Piper's in a movie. How the fuck did that happen? And, and he's serious. That great opening where it's like the opening like the, the thing that sticks in my mind from the trailer is that great scene of roddy piper in the bank the sunny's on in the shotgun i have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble gum <laughs> and as it a is, kid man yeah as a, like you're just like i have to see this movie this dude yeah. is so fucking cool <laughs> And that is probably one of the most criminally underrated quotes ever on cinema. Like, it's a cult classic fucking line, right? Right, man. Mm. Like, I mean, this whole movie is just amazing. And I mean, as a kid, you watch it because it's like, oh, it's Roddy Piper being a badass and, you know, beating fuck out aliens. Cool. As an adult, it's like, you just watch it and you just go, holy shit, I'm living this. Yeah, like this is, you kind of just, your skin crawls a little bit because you go, oh, fuck. Oh, wow. Because like, I mean, this this is what I mean. Like when we're we're talking Nostradamus shit, folks, this is like, yeah, John Carpenter fucking called it, dude. Like this is alien capitalism of sorts of the fucking highest order. It is. It's like, and it's it's amazing to think how little has changed since 1980. Or has in it's fact just, gotten worse. It's evolved. It, well, I wouldn't say evolved. I'd call devolved. It's yeah, devolved. Mutated. <laughs> it's mutated into something fucking evil. It's like your worst nightmare come to life. Because and the like, problem is we embrace it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We do. Um, and I mean, like, you know, Carpenter obviously did this as like a fucking hardcore shot across the nose of like yuppie culture and Reaganism oh, dude, and all so... the shit that was going on in America at the time. Mm. And you just kind of, I, I would love for a new Blu-ray release of this with a new commentary by John Carpenter, it's just so he could just go, well, fuck, I didn't know how right I was going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We should give the people a synopsis. All right, let's give you a synopsis. <clears throat> Nada. Roddy Piper is a wanderer without meaning in his life. Discovers a pair of sunglasses capable of showing the world the way it truly is. As he walks the streets of Los Angeles, 
Nada re notices that both the media and government are comprised of subliminal messages meant to keep the population subdued, and that most of the social elite are skull-faced aliens bent on world domination. With this shocking discovery, Nada fights to free humanity from the mind-controlling aliens. Released date 18 May 1989 in Australia. Director John Carpenter. Distributed by Universal Pictures. Karolko Pictures. And that's all I got. That's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad, right? Impressive. <laughs> Why, thank you, kind sir. <laughs> but yeah, man. It's like, I mean, you know, like Roddy Pipe is really fucking good in this. And I mean, I, I love... One, one of the things that I love the most about this movie and... You know, I got to, I got to give it up to John Carpenter. Like, I mean, well, just because he's John Carpenter, but also because he has awesome opening sequences. Like, I love the opening titles for this. How like the title of the film just fades into that graffiti wall, just seamlessly. So yeah, it's so, so cool, well man. Like, I actually want to read the original short story that this is depicted from. It's based on a short story from nineteen sixty three. Um, called Eight O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Faraday Nelson. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So apparently it kicks fucking major ass. But, um, dude, John Carpenter just took this story and just fucking, yeah, vaulted it to 10 like he always well, does with everything. I mean, I just, I love, like, you know, I, I it's, it's so cool. And, I, man, fuck, I don't know where to start because there's so much to, like, unpack and discuss with this movie. Like, it's a, I, it's an epic one, right? It is, man. Like, there's so much in this movie. Like, I love that Roddy Piper's character is just like, I mean, his his name is literally nothing. Like, well, that's it. He's a nobody. Like, his, his that, name is Nada. It, <laughs> like, it, exactly. I mean, it's that classic stranger you, rolls into town yeah, fucking you, you, thing. You only could have been more obvious if his first name was like Zilch. Yeah, exactly. Like, Zilch so, Nada. The first fucking tick is. A guy with a name Nada. <laughs> and, I mean, and how, how did you feel about Roddy Piper being cast as the, the main guy? Look, honestly, um, I, look, I, I think he's great. I think he, yeah. he absolutely rocks in it. But there is a part of me that every time I watch this goes, should have been Kurt Russell. I I have to agree very strongly with you because <laughs> I just, Kurt and it's, it's no would have been interesting. No shots at Roddy Piper at all. He is great in this movie. Like he is, he is fantastic. Um, but it's just it's just one of those movies where it's just like this should have been another Kurt Russell and John Carpenter fucking collaboration. <laughs> like, yeah, I think so too. But I feel like there was probably politics behind it. Like, you know, like Kurt Russell's probably, you know, his star power was pretty strong then too. Well, like yeah, I think he was, I think it was a sketch. Tango and Cash too, maybe? Because he was doing Tango and Cash, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel and like I mean, that's, you know, that sounds Tango, plausible. Tango and Cash was a bit of a nightmare to shoot from all accounts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but still, but, like, I mean, it would have been interesting to see Kurt Russell's take on this because I think we would have seen a, I don't know, just a dimension of character that would have been a bit more palatable. Um, and again, no yeah. shots by Roddy Piper, but I just feel like there was a lot of restraint in Roddy to deliver what he gave with Nutter. Mm. So, mm. yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because his character is like, he's like, you know, this, this homeless drifter, like this almost every man that has been, 
you know, kind of fucked over by the way, by, yeah. by like the way the American dream has turned out. But there's also like that great moment where he's talking to Keith David, who just absolutely rocks in the movie. <laughs> I was happy to see Keith David. In um, this. <laughs> I'm always happy to see Keith David, man. That dude just rules. Yeah. But th- there's a great moment where, like, you know, he they're sitting there and they're looking out, and Keith David's like, you know, giving this really cynical yet incredibly accurate speech about, like, you know, oh, yeah, they set the rules, but then they start you at the fucking back and blah, 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 and everything's fucked. And, you know, Roddy Piper's like, no, 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 I still believe, like, you know, just give me a chance and, you know, I can mm-hmm. build something. I believe in the American dream. And then you just kind of see from there how, like, just the like you know the wall gets pulled away from his eyes literally and figuratively um you know and he just sees like what the american dream or his country has become or the world has become while he's been you know sort of buying into all these lies yeah it's really interesting i mean I, i this is one of carpenter's deepest films and carpenter's movies are pretty fucking deep yeah absolutely he approaches it with a lot of thought and a lot of i don't know there's there's a very clever fucking again you know this is one of those things where john carpenter i'm sure is a fucking hot topic of discussion for film students in in film school you know just because he's radical ideas in movies should be yeah dude it's so fucking good but like in this film man like Roddy uh, Nada is just, you know, you, you see him drift into town. He's, he's a nobody. Um, let's, let's exclude the fact that there's a point where we see him rip his shirt off and he's fucking, you know, chiseled, sculptured, he's fucking completely jacked. It's like, man, construction work does wonders for a dude. <laughs> Being a homeless construction guy. Fucking pays off, man. I mean, you know, you got to think about this. The 80s is a time of, you know, there was a lot of fucking crazy diet fad fucking trends booming around. And then Roddy steps in with, yeah, I'm a homeless bum that's, uh, you know, got laborers' hands. (laughs) (laughs) Body built by Roddy. You know? (laughs) So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that was quite interesting, but it, but yeah, it ends up on a construction site and fucking, I don't know, man. Just the, the, that optimism that he holds on to for the American dream is quite interesting. I like the that the clash of opinion that him and Keith David explore um, that crescends into that fucking brilliant fucking alleyway fight. In the- oh my god! Like there is a reason why that alleyway fight between those two dudes is, like, constantly in a lot of people's top ten action movie fights of all time because it's great, like... It's just a fucking brawl. It's not like a well-choreographed fight. No, it's like a legit fucking yeah. rough-and-tumble fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like two dudes beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, like, um, you know, you like... You know, we talked a bit on Rad the other week about how awesome Van Damme's kickboxing... Uh, kickboxer fight sequences were, you know, very well choreographed and and all you know all the the rest. But whereas this one, it's like it's complete opposite. Yeah, I mean, you've got someone that's trained as well as Roddy Piper. Even though if you watch him in the ring, he's a bit of a fucking he's a bit of a brawler in the ring too. Yeah. But uh, you know, with Keith David, who I you know never 
got to see as a, a brawler till this movie. Fucking yeah, like they give each other the smackdown. Fucking hard, dude. It's great. It's it really good. such a great fight sequence because it just it feels like and it, it it's it really stands out, I feel, because like mm. a lot of the fight sequences of the eighties, you know, like you said, you know, as we discussed with Kickboxer, were mm. really choreographed. Like they were they were really like, you know, everyone was trying to outdo each other with like yeah. you know, how cool we can make our fight sequences. Articulate, just precise body movement. Yeah. Carpenter's basically just gone the opposite direction and gone, no, I want to make this as realistic as humanly possible. How about you guys just walk into that alleyway and fuck each other up for about, you know, 20, 30 minutes and I'll just film it. (laughs) Which is really fucking cool because you got to give props to Roddy Piper as well because, I mean, you know, being a legendary WWF wrestler as he was back in the day, you know, those guys were so well trained in the art of fucking making it look believable when you get punched in the face, when you get kicked in the guts, you know. So I feel like there was a bit of that 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 um came over into this fight sequence that made it just so fucking Yeah. I don't know, like a breath of fresh air, you know? Like I watched it and went, Oh man, this is this is fucking real. This is fucking yeah, this is a top ten moment for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's it's so so well put together. Yeah, because they they find over the fact that um you know I sort of jumped ahead a little bit, but you know Roddy's you know his optimism is fucking you know he's holding on to it dear to close to his heart. He believes in the American dream. He's trying to earn his piece of the the American pie. Um, unbeknownst to what's going on in the world around him. And then by a sheer accident, stumbles across these sunglasses, a box of sunglasses to be exact. And um, well, yeah, I mean, he sort of like finds out that he's, he's staying in this basically like homeless shanty town yeah. set up in a park. Um, mm. And he discovers that the church across from them is uh, a place where like there's this sort of, uh, Oh, you'd almost call it a bit of a, you know, underground revolution, like rebellion. Of sorts, yeah, yeah, there's um, a rebellion in there. You know, these guys are doing like broadcast, like they're cutting into TV signals and trying to broadcast the truth about what's going on in the world. They've got, they've invented these sunglasses that like, you know, makes you see black and white, but you can see like, you know, when you wear these sun, like these sunglasses, which Roddy finds out when he, you know, he stumbles into this church, gets chased out of there, you know, finds a box of these things, takes them with him, um, basically chucks them on and sees that, like, you know, newspapers are just, like, full of subliminal messages, TV's yeah. full of subliminal messages, billboards, radios, um, you know, these skull-faced, like, aliens are, like, walking around among us. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, and like you know, basically, like he's like, oh fuck, like you know, like he picks up a newspaper and the newspaper's full of shit, like obey, consume, like yeah, like he sees a you know billboard with a fucking hot chick in swimsuit model, you know, fucking promoting something, and then it just says you know consume, you know, like this, yeah, it's just funny, you know, because it's the kind of thing that you know we've for years as a society we joke about and go, oh, we're being controlled by you know consumerism and capitalism and all that it's like um yeah it's kind of true <laughs> well, it's... It, it is man because and it's funny because like I, I was, it's it's ironic we're talking about this movie this week because of all this bullshit that's going on with disney um yeah. and you know i kicked off a petition 
uh, which probably won't, that. Do, won't do it shit of fucking good. But it's like, look, I've got to try. Yeah. Um, and it's basically to like, you know, basically show Disney that like, hey, you know, we still want DVD and Blu-ray releases. We don't want everything put onto Disney+. Plus. I mean, look, you can look up the petition. It's called Save the Disc if you're interested. It will list all the reasons why getting rid of DVD and Blu-ray is a very bad thing. Um, but, like, uh, it just sort of feels like people don't really give a shit. It's like well, you're it's, just kind of happy isn't it? to get told what to do and yeah. not have a choice in it. Um, well, that's the thing about the movie, movie isn't it? Yeah. Well, the thing about the movie is the fact that it explores the very thing that we talk about on a day-to-day basis as a society, you know, which is, well, you know, what can I do about it? I'm just one person, you know, fuck it, you know. I'm, I'm all right, you know. I'll just worry about me. You know, it's kind of a general blanket uh, opinion held by yeah. many, right, you know. And meanwhile, in this movie, we explore a guy that stumbles across the truth and goes, well, wait a minute. No, this, is, this isn't right, you know, and takes dramatic steps to fucking do something about it. Which, yeah. Um, I, love, I love that whole fucking journey of, you know, like you say, when he came across the, the fucking the, the underground rebellion, then, you know, hooking up with the chick that, from the TV station. Yeah, that was... There was some interesting fucking plot points here that led to the fucking, the timely fucking um, climax. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's some great moments. I mean, you know, when, <laughs> like, when he's in the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was a good one. <laughs> Formaldehyde face. Yeah. <laughs> He comes out with some fucking pearl one-liners. I oh, there's some, first there out some great... Times. Well, I mean, that's the thing about this movie. It's like, it, it has got some killer one-liners. Yeah. It's like, you, you're okay. Huh? Real fucking ugly. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking great. Um, yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a lot of really fucking strong, um, strong moments in this film, you know. Um, and again, you know, just going back to the alleyway fight, you know, is basically, you know, Nada, uh, Roddy's character is basically just trying to get Keith David's character to, to see the truth the way he That's sees it, thing, yeah. you know, so he's trying to like, you know, wake people up and like make them aware, like, Hey, this is fucked up. Like, look at and, what's going on around you. And, and Keith the, David's just like, man, i got fucking kids. I don't want to get involved. Yeah. And it's it's kind of again it's a blanket it's an apathy thing it's it's that's kind of what's happening in the world today, and what's clever about what John Carpenter is saying in this film is basically if you want people to fucking see the truth sometimes you have to bitch slap the shit out of them to fucking get them to wake up, <laughs> and I feel like there's there's a lot of fucking subliminal messages that Carpenter's given us in this film. Well, of, yeah, I mean, you know, wake up and it. smell the coffee. Yeah, Car- Carpenter's very much like. I feel like this is one of the, like, this feels like he's one of his most personal films. Like, it really feels like I think he's so. really making a statement about what he believes with a lot of this stuff. Um, and, I mean, you know, you got to remember, like, when this movie came along, like, 
you know, he, like, he was sort of like, everyone praised him after Halloween, but, like, The Thing was a bomb, you know, Escape yeah. from New York wasn't a mega hit, uh, Big Trouble in Little China wasn't a mega hit, and he'd kind of been done dirty a bit by a lot of, like, Hollywood and stuff like that. Yeah, he got fucked up. So, you know, I do feel like he was probably a little bit disillusioned and had a, had a bit of shit to say about stuff, which is, yeah. you know, what what was you know probably a lot of the genesis of this movie and i think that's really the, the one of the great attributes of what makes john carpenter the memorable filmmaker he is is the fact that he's held on to his dignity and never given into that the corporate entity of hollywood and fucking deliver just you know flash in the pan tupperware films that probably could easily make him millions of dollars mm. but he's he's just stayed true to his artistic integrity and and given us these masterpieces that are fucking, you know, here we are on a podcast talking about, you know, like, and many people talk about to this day. It's, um, yeah, fucking, yeah, props to Carpo. Yeah, man, like, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, there's, there's so much, there's, there's so much that this movie has to say about a lot of stuff, like, in terms of, like, you know, like, just capitalist culture like you well, know, just, I, don't to, I don't want to come off sounding like a fucking communist here or anything no but like you know the programming of civilization yeah but like you know the programming of civilization i mean fuck dude like you've only got to fucking look look on our beloved fucking social media for five seconds and it's you're just tsunami by fucking all this bullshit straight away like all those pop-up ads that are fucking getting more and more fucking common on, on fucking things like Instagram and shit. Just yeah. For, that's for the shit thing. that's like, I'm not interested in this shit. Fuck off. You know? Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, everything's like, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, you know, again, don't, don't want to, don't want to be a whiny bitch, but like no. just the way that cinema has even devolved over the last like, five to ten years to just Mm. like you know it's a product it's a product it's a product like there's not a lot of art in stuff um you know not not like well that's the thing it's like and you can't deny it this isn't just like old man on rocking chair it's like everything now is a blockbuster franchise there are no mid-budget movies anymore there is no even stuff like assassins with stallone you wouldn't mm. see, would probably go straight to netflix like extraction mm. or so i mean man like you know back in the fucking 80s 90s even the early 2000s a movie like extraction with chris hemsworth would be on the big screen yeah um prey that predator prequel would be on the big screen yep and now it's just like these movies aren't deemed to be profitable enough to throw in the cinema because they're not a $200 million fucking blockbuster that's based on an established franchise or a reboot or a property of some sort. It's like, no, 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 that's not important. No one cares about that. Just dump it on streaming. And, you know, the, the, the cinema is now for like big fucking shit. And it's like, no, the cinema should be for fucking everything. Like... You know, so it's just sort of like this whole thing of reducing everything to a dollar sign, which is, you know, and, and it's like audiences aren't given a choice in it. It's like, no, no, this is what you want. We're telling you this is what oh, you want. Dude, I mean, look you at want the this and you look want the... 10 more of it. Well, I mean, look, there's, there's two interesting fucking observations you made here. Like, you know, you look at 
the 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 fucking alternative goth culture of the last ten years. It's like, you know, you're not got. I don't know. It, to to a young kid, you're not goth or whatever unless you're wearing the fucking label stuff. Um, you know, so you basically need a label to be accepted, right? You need Blackcraft or any of that fucking other stuff that that all the cool kids wear. Um, it's the same with fucking, you know, all your your, your fucking GC fucking glam girls and shit. They got to wear fucking Calvin Klein or, or Louis Vuitton or, you know, they're, they're not a fucking GC chick, you know. Um, and then with movies, it's like the Barbie rage that's going on right now. I'm sure it's a fucking killer film, but, you know, every second person is all of a sudden going, oh, I love Barbie. Yeah, it's like really? Are you sure? (laughs) Are you just saying that because you just went and saw this movie and went, "Oh yeah, I love Barbie." You know, it's um. Well, it's just it's just like the the marketing for it was just like it was yeah. And look, I you know I'll freely admit it looks like a really fun flick. It does. It looks fun. I'll I'll give it a whirl when it hits Blu-ray. But um, you know, like that just the marketing for it was just like huge. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And it was like everyone was just like whether the movie was any good or not, everyone was in love with it before they even saw it. Um, yeah, and, and, and they're saying the same thing with Oppenheimer. It's like, I, yeah, I just thought that was two extremes right there. you got this fucking lovable fucking plastic toy and then you've got a guy that created the, the most devastating weapon known to man. You yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we'll celebrate that. That's a great idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the they live, I mean, that is what this movie explores, that kind of just radical, holy shit truth that's going on in the universe and we're too blind to see it, mm. you know? And the the metaphor of this is, if I'm choosing my words correctly here, are the fucking sunglasses. That's yeah. kind of like the the segue to the truth. Yeah. You know? Um, I thought that was very cleverly well planted from Carpenter. I thought that was a real touch of genius of sorts. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, I mean, and it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it is like very metaphorical. It's like, you know, oh, how can you see the truth? Well, you need to put these things over your eyes and, you know. I always think of that song, you know, the future's so bright, I've got to wear the shades. Mm. Um, yeah. If I rephrase the lyrics a little bit, it would be like the future's so you know, sigh. I've got to wear the shades or something like. I don't know. I'm not making any sense. You know. You know what I'm saying. I'm, just yeah. roll with me on this, yeah. dude. So. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Thanks. I'll, I'll get you back. Thanks, bro. Thanks. But were you a fan of the sunglass angle? I thought it was rad. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, look. As a kid, it was like you know, sunglasses were cool. They were the accessory I always wanted. And well, it's, like, it's, you know. <laughs> it's like what we talked about in the Top Gun episode on Rad. It was like fucking Ray Bans went through the roof, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I wonder how many pair of pairs of black sunglasses went out the fucking door, you know, after this film. So yeah. probably not as many as like Cobra or uh, Top Gun. No, because yeah, I don't not. think I don't think very many people saw this movie at the time. <laughs> well, when you see Roddy Piper fucking, you know, stumbling out of an alleyway holding a fucking beat up box of fucking, you know, <laughs> looks like just gone from a market, fucking, mo- <laughs> you know, oodles of black sunglasses, you kind of go, eh. <laughs> yeah, this is like made in China, huh? stock sale. <laughs> It's a bargain bin made in China sale, hey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two dollar bin. You'll buy now. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck yeah. it up. But, um, yeah. 
No, it's, it's just, yeah, it's it, it just like, yeah, it, it, um, and I mean, I really love the element that Carpenter brings into it too, of like the humans collaborating with the aliens, mm. like just to like make their own lives comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just, the, the fucked up thing about this movie is that it is so prophetic and like, what it really is, eh? Fuck, like, because <laughs> it just really is. It's just one of those things. It's like, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm sort of a bit, uh, I don't know, I'm a bit fucking shell shocked just talking about this because I'm just thinking about all those things that you've read about in media in recent years. Like, you know, like when, remember there was that, that funny shit going around about Hillary Clinton being a fucking blizzard head? Yeah, yeah. You know? There was a like a race of lizard heads controlling our society. And it's like, dude, <laughs> just watch they live. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know, dude. There's, yeah, a lot of, uh, I, I can understand why a lot of people went fucking all tinfoil crazy and uh, started wearing fucking tinfoil hats and fucking, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, know. but I think the problem is it's like, you know, when the people go crazy and, you know, get all conspiracy theories, they always come up with the dumbest shit. It's like, no yeah. one ever comes up. It's like, if someone come up to me and said, like, you know, well, I think that there are aliens controlling the world and here's why and present me with an actual solid case. I'd go, yeah, okay. Could be onto something there. But, you know, when it's like, you know, oh, no, like, fucking Hillary Clinton's an alien and Trump was sent here by God to save us. It's like, yeah, that's where you lost me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where um, John Carpenter really hits hits the fucking nail on the head, dude, because he gives us an angle, like, you know, you see a lot of movies where they talk about the aliens, you know, of course there's the, you know, the horror aliens that we've seen, that we've seen in movies, but then, you, you know, you got the friendly aliens like your ETs and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, all that sort of stuff that it's like, ah, oh, the aliens are here and they're bringing us gifts from, well, the gift in this movie is <laughs> the gift of, of slavery, basically. Well, you know, we're slaves to their system. That's the fucked up thing, is that, like, the the, the, the sort of central theme of this as well yeah. is that, like, humans are kind of happy to be controlled. That's kind of it. It's like, like are we happy to be a fucking submissive race of people? Mm. And it's kind of like, yeah, you just sort of, like, because, you know, there's that great, like, you know, at the end there when, when uh, Keith David and, and, and Roddy get to the, um, the, the fucking big dinner party thing. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's like there's all these humans that are just there and mm. they know about it. And they're like, oh, hey, like, fucking, you should join us. Like, you know, we give you this and they give you that. Like, this cool watch thing and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, you guys are just kind of cool to sell out as long as you're getting yours um yeah i mean like, that's a thing like the movie, yeah. this movie is like when you when you sort of like it's it's funny because as a kid you watch it and like mm. i said you know you're just kind of like yay cool fucking roddy piper saying cool shit and you know mama don't like tattletales <laughs> and then you know as an adult you watch it and you just sort of sit there and you kind of go fuck we're kind of awful, aren't we? <laughs> like, well, that's it. Like, you kind of you, fit, you get very, the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it's kind of a bleak movie. Like it's it's a very cynical and bleak kind of look at humanity and how shitty it can be. Um, yeah. 
like, you know, because it's just like, or like I said, there's like, you know, these people that are just like, as long as they're getting theirs, they don't care if aliens are taking over the planet and they're just going to completely destroy it or something like that. It's just like, well, hey, I'm cool. Like, Well, that's it. I mean, it's like in, in, in today's society, I, you know, I'm not trying to get all tinfoil on this, but uh, it's just funny the parallel to from the movie to what's going on in the real world today. It's like most people, especially young people, are content and happy to fucking you know, play their play their role in the great fucking um, rat race that is, you know, of consumerism and shit with, you know, being uh, influencers and fucking selling products for, you know, the promise of more followers and shit, you know. It's but like- I, I think it's also one of those things, dude, where it's like, you know, to... Oh, <laughs> I swore I wasn't going to get deep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get big. I guess you can't really help but think about it when you watch this movie just because of you what the movie is saying. Because it's, it's hard like, to avoid. We kind of have been programmed like from the get go. Like it's like, you know, for for a lot of a lot of us, like our, our parents, it was like, you know, oh no, you you go to school and then you get a job and then you get married and you have babies and you yeah. have a house and that's it. That's that's life. That's yeah, it. you've won at life. You've so you have kind finished of, the steps. It's it's kind of a thing that started as far back as yeah the the turn of the century. Of yeah, nineteen hundreds. And, and then it's like you know it's like even I mean everything there is like you know from like the job you like you have to have a respectable job that you mm. know is is like you you can't you know it's like. Any anyone that stepped outside of the norm, be it your career choice or your relationship choice or like your your sexual orientation or yeah. whatever, was frowned upon. Yeah, of course. Because it's like you know, I mean, even even when I was like in high school, it was like you know, oh, I I want to be an artist. Oh, you can't yeah. do that. You got to have a backup job. It's like, but I right, I, yeah. I don't want. I want. This is what I want to do. Like. You know, it, it's. I saw a quote the other day. It was so funny because it's so true. It's like you know, you know, as a as a kid, we encourage kids to use their imagination and creativity, but then when they start growing up, we beat that out of them, and it's frowned upon. <laughs> like, mm. you know? and it's so true. And it's like I don't know. I I fucking I, I don't know. I shed a tear for a lot of kids today that that grow up thinking you know that they want to pick up an instrument and start playing music because I think fuck, dude. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if that's a great idea anymore because it's changed. You know, like the the whole, I don't know, just the whole thing has changed. And the same is with any industry we work in, dude. The whole thing is just, it's a different game. So I think it's all about how you, how you approach the game as a person, you know, like hold on to your dignity and stuff and you just, you know, dig your bootstraps in and fucking just, yeah, hang tough, dude, as you kids on the block said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, man. And I think that's, it sort of links back to this movie that it's like, you know, all of the people that are deemed, you know, useless or not productive to society. It's like this movie focuses on like all the homeless people. Which is interesting, isn't it? Like the original outcasts, basically. It's like, you know, who who are who are the most, you know, non-productive, worthless members of society? Oh, homeless people. Fuck them. Um, you know. 
and it's it's just funny that like you know like i said it's like any any deviation from the the societally acceptable path which is what you're told you should do which is you know what this movie explores mm. is is deemed as bad and wrong and you know this movie focuses on people that have been you know that are basically even in today's society like deemed as bad and wrong it's like oh i don't want to talk to the homeless person or give them money like get a job stop being lazy <laughs> you but know that, that's the thing we're all guilty of it aren't we well yeah that's that's exactly it i mean you know i i very much try not to be um you know like yeah, later in absolutely. life but when i was younger it was just like oh i don't want to talk to the crackhead what if they stab me because yeah. that's what you're told it's like you know mm-hmm. oh, homeless people are bad and they're dangerous and you know they're they, they, blah 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 and you know it's only when you sort of start thinking for yourself and you know you're like no that doesn't sound right you know well, and it's interesting that carpenter chose those people to focus on because yeah. they they kind of are the ultimate outsiders they have deviated they from the path so well, th- this is where on. like yeah what's interesting is what, when you say that jake it's like when fucking i always think i was thinking straight back to a time not too long ago when i walked past um a homeless fucking inca- uh, homeless camp in the city and there was one i could hear the familiar sounds of ministry playing mm. and i just it was this homeless dude just sitting there fucking happy as happy as a kite on you know happy as a kite fucking listening to ministry and he fucking he said hey how's it going man and i went good dude how you doing man you know it's just like they're not bad people they're just fucking that's grossly the, misunderstood that's, that's the thing they that like you hit the nail on the head right there they're people like they they're, are they're, they're people just like you and me. And man, I, I people have a great taste in music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of often think like you know, man, like, like after all the shit that I went through last year, like with yeah. with everything that went on and all the shit with my old job and stuff like that, it, I sort of like really think about this. It's like, man, like you know, you're a couple of bad months or so away. And, you know, bad, you know, like circumstances away, that could be you, you know, like it's, it's very easy to fall into that problem. I think it's true for a lot of people, like so many people, regardless of what anyone says, do live paycheck to paycheck. And it's like, if you take that paycheck away, like you might be able to like get by for a few months, but then sooner or later, man, like shit's going to start going sideways and that could be you out there. And that's why I try to be cool to like every homeless person I see. Cause it's like, <laughs> fuck man, I, I might need to borrow a bit of cardboard off you one day, dude. Like, well, that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? Um, but you know, I mean, fuck God, I pray that fucking day never comes, but you, you kind of got to think about that. And I, I, that's what really kind of, you know, sits you on your ass with this movie is that like, there is so much deep shit. Yeah, John it's Carpenter very humbling. This movie, like, we could be here for a week unpacking it all. Oh, like, dude, it's yeah. easy. I mean, this is the sort of shit that a, a fucking uni undergraduate or whatever you want to call them fucking would write a thesis paper about. Oh, know, absolutely. The the impact of they live in, in modern society, you know? Like, uh, yeah, it, it's fucking fascinating shit. And um, I think it's, it's grossly criminally underrated, this film. It's just such a... You know, it, it follows a very simple plot. Um, 
that obviously has a, a has a great climax with you know it's, it's Nara like, and it is it is like you said, man. It 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 it, it sort of it's fascinating because it's like mm. Carpenter's wrapped all these really fucking big questions and thoughts in a very simple plot that also follows like some very familiar tropes. Like you said, the, the gunslinger that comes into town yeah, and winds up, you know, he's, he just wants to like, you know, get his piece of the pie. Like it's, it's almost like first blood, man. It's like, I've yeah. come into town. I just want, I literally just want to have something to fucking eat and, you know, shit happens and everything goes sideways. Um, you know, or even like, you know, the great Westerns where it's like, look, I've just come into town. Like, I just want to have a beer and water my fucking horse. And you guys are going, well, that, that's the great thing about Nada <laughs> is the fact that you meet a guy that is the, the, just the, I wouldn't say stereotypical normal guy, but he is a normal guy yeah, in a that's world that's me. not normal. Yeah. He, like, he's, he just, he's not a trained, he like, to, ex yeah. seal or any shit. No, like he's <laughs> just a normal guy, even though he's jacked. But he just wants to make some money, get a roof over his head, and a warm meal in his belly. That's mm. all he wants. He doesn't care about fucking buy the latest watch, buy this fucking clo- piece of clothing or anything like that. He's just, I just want to live. Yeah. That's it. Period. But that, that's the fascinating thing. It's like Carpenter sort of, you know, gives us these familiar tropes, but under just under the surface of those it's like it's just layered with like all of this really deep philosophical socio-political commentary and thoughts and, and mm. it's just like it really is man, this movie's so fucking complex and it's like it's funny because it's like it's only when you sort of talk about it out loud that you just go oh fuck like Man, where, yeah. do I, where do I start with this thing? Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah, uh, it's frightening, <laughs> isn't it? It is. Like if you were describing, it, so I was like, "Well, it's sort of about an alien invasion, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's about an alien invasion in the same way that." Rocky is just a movie about boxing or Lord of the Rings is a movie about walking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. There's so much more going on there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the kind of, it's the kind of movie that, like you said before, you know, we could spend ages unpacking this, man. We really could. But, you know, that would just take this to a whole fucking different yeah, format of podcast. The, the, right? the, the, the next year's worth of podcasts are going to be us unpacking one thing from They Live each episode. Yeah, and but, if you know the way we construct our episodes, you know that shit ain't going to fucking work at no. all. Like, no. us stay on one topic, good fucking luck. <laughs> good luck. Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, Look, uh, yeah, I haven't got really too much more to add about this film. It's just a, a great film. Um, I have to, again, bring up Carpenter's score for this film. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, it's just fucking great, isn't it? Like, it's, it's a simple approach, but it works so fucking good. It's a signature, man. It's like mm. the moment you hear the first fucking couple of bars, you know it's a Carpenter score straight away. Mm. Like he's got his own signature style of movie and and score, and it's just what makes him such a memorable icon. John, John Carpenter is one of those guys where it's like, if if I had to sort of describe him, mm. it's like he has such a way of making 
something that is so simple, incredibly complicated, but still looks simple. Yeah. Like just in terms of his approach to filmmaking and storytelling, his approach to scores, it's like, you know, you hear it and you watch it and you just go, oh yeah, it's just that. But then it's like, you know, you really watch it or you really listen to it and you're like, oh, it's so much more than just that. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, man. It's like his movies are the kind of films that, you know, it's not a chore to watch them multiple times over the course of a year. Like there's a good reason behind watching them more and more because every time you watch, say, Escape from New York or They Live or any of those films, you learn something new that you didn't know before. Oh, man, absolutely. Like, that's the thing. It's like the thing. Uh, yeah. Fucking, you know, they live, Starman, Christine. Fucking, yeah, the you know, fog. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah, the the oh, the guys, like, yeah. I mean, he really is a genius. He's definitely a filmmaker that I've always loved, but I feel like I appreciate him more and more every year. Absolutely. Like every every time I watch his stuff, it's just like I just just have so much fucking admiration and love for everything he does. Like, yeah, yeah, and and I feel like this is one of the movies that you know, in an age of reboots and stuff. And it was funny because I just recently listened to an interview with Tom Holland, who despises any remakes of his films. Fucking hates him like Fright Night. Mm. Child's Play hates it. Yeah, like he's outspoken about that. And I'm sure John Carpenter has a sort of, you know, probably not outright says it, but he probably has the same kind of um, thought train about it. You know, like it, it, this movie, They Live, should not be remade. It's just, it, it's a little gem that should just be left as is. Well, it doesn't need to be because it, like, <laughs> it's still relevant. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's so relevant. It's not like a, it hasn't aged that bad like yeah it's not one of those movies where you go oh this is so fucking a 1980s problem that you wouldn't see anymore it's like yeah no this is literally happening right outside your fucking window (laughs) i mean yeah that's the thing it's it's a oh man i i give pepsi challenge to any person to fucking watch this film and then go for a stroll into their fucking city man or shopping mall and just just take a look around. <laughs> you don't even have to do that. Open up Facebook or, or just open up Instagram Facebook. or, yeah. you know, TikTok. Anything. Like, you know. That's, the th- that's the thing, man. Like, it's it's a movie that's well and truly ahead of its time. You oh, know? absolutely. Like, and it's the, the real horror is the reality of what we've just been talking about. Mm. You know, that's the horror. The aliens are just. They're just, they're just beam out a subject filler, man. Like, that's just sprinkles on the cake, dude. Well, they're, they're just, they're, they're like a way of putting a face to, like, corrupt yeah. government and capitalism. It's like, you know, if you took the sci-fi elements out of this movie and just said, oh, it's just the government and capitalism, it's like, mm. you know, I mean, the average people, the average point would just be like, oh, yeah, but, you know, the government would never really do that. It's like, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't they? Wouldn't, Wouldn't they? they just? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, you just you, you tell yourself nice, that. Buddy. Nice reality you got there. Do you have unicorns? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, like, I, I this, I highly, highly recommend. There is a great uh, classics remastered Blu-ray release of this. Oh, nice. Uh, Two disc set, loaded with special features. 
Um, great commentary with Carpenter and Roddy Piper. Um, nice. Roddy's Roddy's a bit. Um, I don't want to speak ill of the dead because I loved Roddy, but I think he was a little bit. Um, I think he'd taken a few too many shots to the head in the ring by the time he had recorded that commentary because he's right. a bit all over the shop. Um, you know, well, uh, I mean, it, you've only got to you only got to watch his sort of towards his latter years in WCW. Just some of his ring tirades were just a little bit. What we need a translator for this shit? Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, all hope, heart, man, all yeah. heart. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, look, great, great Blu-ray release. Highly recommend checking it out. No idea where this movie's streaming, if it's streaming, but, you know, look, with, it, if, with, if with it, people trying to take away our physical media, fucking just go buy it. Like, yeah. it's, it's going to be a good 16 bucks well spent. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's definitely one for the collection. Um, you know, fucking Carpenter films, I mean, we, we haven't even finished getting through all the Carpenter films. And, I, I don't know. I think the, the hint is out there to any of our listeners. Fucking get yourself a neat little carpenter collection, man. You'll be stoked. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, just oh, do it. Before, before we go, man, we've got to fucking give some props to, um, yeah, fucking sadly, Billy Friedkin left us this week. That is a very, very, very sad day. And Linda Blair gave a very touching... Um, you know, thoughts from the heart about yeah, William Fredkin. That. Yeah. that was really nice what she wrote about him. Just the the way he protected her as a young child and delicately got, you know, helped her through the movie that would be The Exorcist. And mm. I thought that was amazing what she wrote about it. Yeah. Know, that confessional was really good. And, um, yeah, testament to a, a great filmmaker, man. Like, yeah, we've lost another legend, but... Again, these legends never die, man. Their works are immortal. And uh, well, I mean, look, if, yeah. if I can make a, a recommendation, um, like, I mean, obviously, like, Friedkin, like, I mean, The Exorcist, if he'd only done The Exorcist, it would have cemented him as a genius. But you've also got movies like The French Connection, which is just... An I've heard that's amazing. Piece. Um, Cruising with Al Pacino, which is such a ballsy mm, movie. That love to see that. It's it look it's hard to track down, but it's very worth it. Um, it is such a actually you can probably not, find it on YouTube. It's not that hard anymore if you are a fan of collecting Blu-rays because Arrow did a release a couple of years ago that's very well worth the buy. Um, awesome, amazing film, like and incredibly ballsy to be made at the time it was. Um. Then you've got, like, To Live and Die in L.A., which is another, like, crime masterpiece. And yep. more recently, The Hunted with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro, which was a really great little flick uh, and almost a modern-day Rambo uh, first yeah. remake. Like, yeah, it's very, very criminally underrated, that flick. Mm. So those those are my favourite Friedkin movies. And, um, yeah, I highly recommend anyone checking them out. Yeah, so I mean, it's never never a, a good day when we, you know when we lose a, a legend that's touched our fucking imagination and our hearts. Um, but you know, as I said before, you know, legends never die. You know, um, unfortunately, that is such is the way of life where we're born, we live, we die. That's the way it rolls. But it's what we do in between those, you know, 
life and death, that's that's what counts. And with William Fredkin, he fucking gave us well, I mean, a catalogue of great films, right? What, what, what a career. career. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like, what an yeah. amazing career. Like, I mean, to have, I mean, in, like we talked about on our Exorcist episode, like mm. to have redefined an entire genre with your work is like, that ain't no small thing. Like that's, that's amazing. And I mean, yeah. Like how, how many people get to say that? How many well, people like get to say like, I left such an indelible mark on this art form that it defined it for generations to come. Fucking exorcist movies, man, are still like possession, demonic possession movies are still trying to catch up to The Exorcist and wish they were half that good. I mean, <laughs> one and three. How good they are. Like, yeah, one and three. You know. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to fucking touch those movies, dude. Like, yeah. um, and, and that's why there's that part of me that is optimistic that this new The Exorcist um, believer, whatever it's called, is, you know, half as good as as it should be because you know I, I feel like anything less would be a slap in the face to the legacy of freaking oh totally man totally although i gotta i gotta end on a joke wouldn't it be awesome if they did like a crossover and like they like mixed up some reels with the movie and they like it was called the exorcist the believer <laughs> and like it was like half the exorcist but with justin bieber in there like, that would crack me the fuck up. I gotta say, like, <laughs> every now and then, Jake, you just come out with something just totally left of center, dude. And I fucking that would love be you for fucking it, great. I just think that would be amazing. Like, <laughs> look, man, my brain is a weird fucking place, and my that's brain... why we do this show together, man. My that's why brain... we. That's why we're peas in a pod, dude. My, my brain has been in a really fucking weird place for the last few weeks. And it just thinks of uh, it. Amen to that, man. You and me both. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, yeah, the, it's like, like the other night, it was like we were watching. We were actually watching. Uh, girlfriend was over. We were watching The Exorcist. And just like sitting there. I was just like, you know, if we got it on right now, we could call this The Sexist, right? <laughs> But yeah, the, the Exorcist, the Believer. There's like, I yeah. like it, and I mean, we could actually turn Justin Bieber's head around the wrong way for the effects, like in real life, which I think would be great. I think that would be doing a public service for the world. No more than it would for the assassination of Mori. I mean, you know, it would be even better. We got Mori in as a stunt double, and you know, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. We could cast Mori as the priest. <laughs> I'll throw him out the window at the end. Where's the body? Don't know. Who cares? Cut. Me and Jesse either side of him. And a one, and a two, and a three. <laughs> Where's the mattress? Oh, sorry, mate. Forgot that. Leap out the window. Oh, another myth dispelled. Morrissey does not bounce. <laughs> It reminds me of a fucking uh, Weird Al Yankovic video from UHF. <laughs> the flying badges out the window. Oh, man. <sighs> anyway, that brings us to the end of another fucking glorious episode of Freaky Friday, you freaky motherfuckers. Well, you know, look, we, we, we got all deep with the movie, so we had to we something silly. Yeah. Because people would be like, 
are you guys feeling all right? You know, what's going on here? What's this fucking real serious shit going on, dude? We'll leave you with a little laugh and a spread. Yeah. yeah. And a fervent but, prayer that you may go through the rest of the weekend without hearing a Morrissey song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fucking hell. <laughs> yes. But um, we will see you back here. Well, hear you back here for Rad tomorrow. Yeah, we will. And we've got something cool too. It's going to be fun, man. Can't wait. Greetings, Starfighter. Yes. <laughs> Greetings. But, um, yeah, till then, have yourself a freaky fucking Friday and uh, tell all your friends about us. And we shall see you tomorrow. Yeah. Till then, stay freaky. Adios. Ooh, that's a good one. See you later, Mari. No more Mari. That's right. Burp that Mari away with the feel-good, flatulating sensation taking over the nation. Available now from all good retailers and outlets.